what's the difference between something you have to do, something you should do, and something you want to do? To find out, keep listening for the next episode of the Fair Advantage Podcast. Life is full of performances, and I want you to perform at your best. So come along with me in this episode to make sure you have the fair advantage. Okay, everyone, nice to have you here. Thanks for coming back for this latest episode of the Fair Advantage podcast. Could you figure it out? The difference between something you have to do, something you should do, and something you want to do. Of course, that difference is the motivation on each of those uh, phrases or expressions is when you have to do something, you're not really very motivated. Something you should do is like, well, there's some value attached to that because you should do it versus something you want to do. And motivation, that is the topic of today's podcast. And motivation itself We all know what it is when we feel it, because that's really one of the best ways to describe what motivation is, is it's a feeling. Or how I like to describe it is motivation is the why, right? A formal definition is the intensity and direction of your effort that you're applying. But it's our why. It's our reason for doing things. And it can vary between, well, this is something I have to do, something I should do, or this is something that I want to to do. That's a way to kind of capture that. So our motivation is really reflected in three different types of behaviors. So I kind of gave you that opening sort of uh, idea to capture it, but there's three behaviors. The first is the choices that we make as a performer is going to reflect what our motivation is. We're probably going to choose to do things that we're more motivated to do than things that we're not, right? Makes sense. But then also, uh, the effort that we put forth. So if it's something that I have to do versus something that I want to do, then I'm probably going to put more effort in the thing that I want to do than something that I, ha- well, I just have to do this. So I might kind of go through the, mo- the motions. So the choices that we make, the things we choose to do are going to be a reflection of our motivation and then how hard we try in the things that we actually do. And then the last one is is our persistence, right? Even in the face of adversity, we can have difficulties, and it's like, do we persist, or do we? How easily do we give up? If we give up pretty easy. Our motivation probably wasn't that high in the first place, right? Well, maybe I'm motivated if it's going to be pretty likely that I'm going to succeed, or success is going to be easily obtained. Well, sure, I'll do that. But if it's difficult and I have to do all of this work for it, then I may not persist as much if my motivation is low. So you can see how we can kind of illustrate motivation. But again, simply put, motivation is what we're feeling. It's a feeling. And and it spreads across a spectrum to where we have to get more formal with the terms here is you have a motivation, right, where there's just no really intentionality or energy toward doing something. It's like I said, that's the sort of going through the motions. It's like, well, yeah, you might still be doing something, but you're, you're, there's not much intensity or effort involved with that. So you're not really motivated. You're, you're, you're just going through the motions. And then we have this sort of range of 
extrinsic motivation in the middle. So these are the terms that a lot of you have probably heard before. You have extrinsic motivation and intrinsic motivation. So extrinsic is because there's some sort of reward or outcome that's expected. Okay, and there's there's different levels of that varying from like an actual prize that you want or achieving some some results such as fitness or strength and conditioning that's valuable to your sport if you're an athlete. So there's different things associated with extrinsic motivation, but they're 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 outward um, outward uh, components or things that were that are driving us. And then you have intrinsic motivation, which this is the goal. This is what's the most powerful. And it doesn't mean that extrinsic motivators can't work in certain situations, because obviously they can. Like, well, yeah, I'm going to go to work, not because I love my job, but because I need to earn money to pay for the bills and all the responsibilities that I have. So extrinsic motivation still is important, but it may not be as long lasting as things that are intrinsically motivating. And the three basic things that are intrinsically motivating to all of us are seeking new knowledge, right? Learning, gaining uh, new pieces of information or acquiring new pieces of information tends to be pretty motivating. Uh, achieving goals or standards that we've set is pretty motivating. Like it feels really good. And when we achieve something, we're more likely to go back and do it again because of that achievement. And then there's just the intellectual stimulation or experiential component uh, or the the excitement or the fun factor. And, and that can be motivating. So, so intrinsically motivating, knowledge, achievement, intellectual stimulation, excitement. And, and these are all connected to some some basic core values that we have or just basic human needs we can we can we can say okay so that's the that's the spectrum we have this feeling and we can kind of classify it in these different categories of a motivation extrinsic motivation the intrinsic motivation but we also can look at it on 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 the levels that it occurs so our motivation isn't just uh, this this sort of finite or uh, constant factor in our lives. It can be totally situational. So for an athlete, you can have high motivation in one contest and the very next contest have low motivation or have a change in your motivation. So so it's situational. It can change moment to moment, contest to con contest, performance situation to performance situation. But then it's also contextual. So I might have very high motivation. If I'm a student athlete, for example, a college student athlete, I might have high motivation to perform well in my sport and then low motivation to perform well in my academics. Or if I have a part-time job on the side, I might have low motivation in those areas. So it's contextual, right? Uh, the direction and intensity of our effort will be different in different contexts. And then we have this sort of global level of motivation, which our personality is going to influence this. It's just like, well, how motivated are we overall in general? Do we kind of have some common expression of motivation that just uh, spreads across every sort of situation that we have or context that we have? What does it look globally? So that's kind of a background on what it is. And again, I just want to connect back to the more simple part of this is motivation is a feeling and it comes and goes. Okay. Sometimes we have high motivation to work out. Sometimes we have high motivation to eat healthy. Sometimes we have high motivation to go to sleep on time, whatever it is. And sometimes we do not. And 
because of this, motivation is it's it's not really that reliable by itself unless we foster it. And that's really what I want to spend the most time on today in this episode is like how do we nurture motivation, knowing that, well, sometimes it's high. When it's high, well, then I'm a really good performer and I'm very productive. I'm very effective at all of the things that I'm doing. And times when it's not like, well, where is it? And I don't really know what to do. And those those are the times that we want to target. How do we how do we nurture it? So then when we do have dips, it's not like our motivation's fallen off the end of a cliff and we have no idea how it came back when it did come back. It's like, well, we want to figure out when it does have a little bit of a dip, what can we do to to regain it and get it back up? So the first tip is we have to create a motivating climate. So we can do this for ourselves as performers. And then for you coaches who are listening, you have incredible influence over the motivational climate that your athletes and your performers are in. And, and so this is the first step. How do we create that motivational climate? Well, the first thing is, well, how do we emphasize success versus failure? Like, what, what is it? Why are we measuring success? What are we calling a failure? It's just, it's just that the outcome of a of a competition like winning or losing like is is that it because um that will determine the motivation climate that we create for ourselves how we emphasize success versus failure as individuals but then also our what sort of climate do our coaches create do they are they emphasizing just the winning versus the losing and i want to bring this this or mention this point right now is that Great coaches know that they don't give athletes motivation, right? You can't give that to them. But what you can do is you can create conditions or a climate, an environment in which athletes motivate themselves. Because it's not something you can give to them, right? It can be frustrating if you're a coach and you work with athletes. You're like, oh, I just don't know. This athlete's so talented and just can't get her to to be motivated. I can't motivate her. It's like, yeah, you can't. So what can you do? You can try and create the climate. And so there's a couple of terms in the sports psychology world um, that can help us kind of understand this. And I don't want to get bogged down on too much of the technicalities here. I just want to introduce these ideas. So there's two broad types of climates that we can create. Okay, so there's a mastery climate or a more task-involving climate. And then there's a performance or ego-involving climate. Okay, so for a mastery climate, the, the focus is on learning Okay, what can we learn? What can we do to improve? We're going to bring max effort and, and we're going to focus on uh, things that we can control. Okay, attitude, uh, personal improvement, measurements uh, of, of, of ourselves, not comparing ourselves to others. Okay, so that's a mastery climate. We can, we can create that by what we emphasize as individual performers, like how do we go into the situation, but then also importantly as, as coaches. For athletes, and then there's the the ego involving climate, which this is on. Uh, the emphasis here is on winning or outperforming others, a comparison to others' standards rather than ourselves. And so it's it's more fragile, or it can make our motivation more susceptible to dips because it's based on things that aren't totally within our control. I mean, we we it's it doesn't mean that. Winning isn't important and that we shouldn't have some sort of focus on that, but it's, it's, it's why is winning important because it's, it's striving for win, winning because 
it's a reflection on whether we are learning and whether we're improving and whether we're bringing maximal effort. Recognizing that at the same time, you can't control the, the competition. You can't control that. And they may just play lights out when you compete against them. So we, we want to mostly try and create a mastery or task-involving climate over a performance or ego-involving climate, recognizing that it, it's, it, we still can emphasize winning. That still can be important, but we just need to have that other layer attached to it. And so if we create more of a mastery climate, then we're more likely to get that intrinsic motivation that I talked about, whereas an ego climate is going to be more associated with extrinsic motivation. So that's the first step. How do we nurture motivation? We have some dips. Well, we need to create the climate. So what are we focusing on? The second tip is we need to monitor feedback. And again, this is the feedback that we're giving ourselves through our own self-talk. What are we telling ourselves? Are we communicating with ourselves? But then also the coaches play a big role here as well because the key factor in determining what the climate is is the type of feedback. What are we telling ourselves? What's, what's the emphasis here? And this is especially true when feedback is provided after what we'll call so-called good performances there right is is well okay you did you did really awesome and it was amazing that you did this or nice job getting the win right what what are we emphasizing there after a good performance are we saying oh okay really like how you brought your 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 effort you tried as hard as you could you you learned you adjusted you adapted right that's on that's a mastery focus where okay we got the win and everything took care of itself when in reality you could get a win and you really could have performed pretty poorly and, and uh, so that, like I said, it just makes our motivation more susceptible in the future when we do, uh, w when, when the outcome is the only thing that we're basing it on and then say we have a bad performance and we don't win, uh, then that can, that can shatter motivation. So uh, for coaches specifically here, right, monitoring, if you're, if we're talking about monitoring feedback, giving feedback, you want to provide feedback positively. You want to socially support your athletes, give them some choices, right? And trace some emphasis, place some emphasis on training because we want that intrinsic motivation. Okay. So the first one was develop the climate, create the climate to, to foster motivation or nurture it. Then we want to monitor our feedback that was coming from ourselves within ourselves, but then also our coaches and then we need to nurture some basic needs here. And this, this, is, this is like a key part of the podcast today is how do we get more intrinsic motivation, which is going to be more associated with adherence to a training plan or a performance schedule, sticking with it long term. That's that, that long term motivation where we have smaller ups and downs. We're still going to have some ups and downs. We have smaller ups and downs over time. Well, the first thing to understand here is that if you want to if you want to cultivate intrinsic motivation, we got to understand what we as performers, or if you're a coach, what your athletes need from the sport. We have to know what the needs are. Like, what is it that sport is providing us? Again, this gets back to what I said at the beginning: what is your why? What is the reason? We have to connect with the why. And if it's not a very powerful why or reason, then we need to reassess that. And any time that an athlete comes in and consults with me and it appears that it's a motivation challenge or something's going on with motivation, they're lacking motivation, I always go back to that. It's like, well, what's your why? 
what are you doing this for? Are you doing this for your coach? Are you doing this for your for your mom or your dad? Like, who are you doing this for? What's your, what's your why? And if it's not a good, strong reason that's attached to intrinsic motivation, it can be kind of a uh, crisis moment. It's like, oh, man, I, really, I need to reassess what I'm doing this all at all for. And so we, we need to cultivate it. We have to know what we need, what we're getting from, well, what we're getting from the sport and what we need to be getting from the sport or the, the performance, the activity. So we're more likely to be intrinsically motivated if there's if three basic needs are met, okay? A, a few basic needs. And I'm actually going to kind of add a, a fourth one here, but this, this comes from self-determination theory. But the, the fourth one I'm going to mention first. So we're more likely to be intrinsically motivated if we have are having fun in what we're doing. We experience some sort of stimulation, excitement. Think about why you got into, for you athletes, you got into a sport in the first place. It's probably because you liked to do it. It was fun. You enjoyed it. You got something out of it in terms of stimulation and excitement. And that's important that we continue to foster that because if that goes away, then it starts to feel like a job, right? It starts to feel like work. So we have to reconnect with that if we want to be intrinsically motivated. So I'm calling that the kind of the fourth need there. And then from self-determination theory, we have these other three basic needs, which if we satisfy these needs, then we tend to have more self-determined motivation, which is still kind of on the extrinsic uh, motivation spectrum, but it moves a lot closer to intrinsic motivation. Okay, so the first one is competence, which is just we need to feel like we can meet the demands of the the sport or performance situation. We have to feel like what we're doing is effective. And so some techniques to enhance our feelings of competence so we feel more motivated is we need to challenge ourselves, challenge the skills that we have, our abilities. And, and we do this by... Uh, well, we can set goals, but we design whatever it is that we do in practice. Uh, we try and stretch ourselves just outside our ability level. So it's difficult, but it's still attainable with the right amount of effort. So that that can help us enhance our competence. And, and everything that we do in our training needs to be meaningful and interesting, right? And it needs to be congruent with whatever our goals are. And I'll talk about those in, in a moment too. And then and then the feedback. What type of feedback are we giving ourselves when our, with our self-talks? Like, oh man, you'll never get this. This is horrible. You're just such an awful, awful tennis player. Like, what are we telling ourselves? And, and then coaches, what are, our, what, what are you telling your athletes? It needs to be constructive feedback that's, that's very specific and geared toward the, the skill set and enhancing the skill set of our athletes so then we keep their motivation up as well. So competence is the first need. Autonomy is the second need, and this is really important. Uh, this is just the, we have this need within ourselves to kind of know that we have some control or choice over what happens to us in our lives, like w what happens, how it happens, when we do something. We need to have a sense of autonomy. If we feel acted upon all of all the time, then we kind of feel like a, a victim, or we don't have much control, and not going to be very motivated if our need for autonomy isn't met. So, how, how do we enhance autonomy? Well, 
we need to be allowed to have some sense of control in what it is that we're doing. So again, coaches, you can give your athletes some bit of control by allowing them some input into what it is that they're doing with their training, their, their match prep or their, their travel arrangements, different things. So for example, I worked with athletes before and I'll, and I'll give them two options for a specific drill and the drill, both drills are what I want them to do. They're both going to accomplish the same thing, but I'm going to, I want to support my athlete's autonomy. So I'm going to say, okay, here, here's these two choices. We can do this one. We can do this one. Which one do you want to do? And, and it fosters their autonomy. They're going to be more motivated because, well, we're going to do the one that we chose to do. We want to do this one. Okay. We want to, rather than you just tell the coaches, just telling them what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. And it's like, well, I have to do it because coach says, so you see how that's uh, it's a have to end instead of the want to end of the spectrum. We want to pull them on, on that end. And if we give them some choice, we can. So then goal setting is another big one here. And, and especially if the individual performer is involved in setting the goal. So if a coach just tells the athlete, this is what your goals are for the season, that's not very autonomous. But, but uh, if an athlete gets to go and write their own goals down and they go through a goal setting session with, with a sports psych consultant, perhaps would be awesome. Uh, the sports psych person walks them through the goal setting process and, and with the specific format they're using. And then the athlete is going to write their goals down that that will support autonomy and goals is like, that's, that's really, uh, you know, I could have started this, this podcast with a discussion on goal setting because that's what motivates us. We have something out there. This is this goal that's that's uh, motivating for us. And especially, again, if it's uh, one of those intrinsic factors or it's meeting a certain need that we get from it, and that, that's what the goal reflects rather than some extrinsic factor, then that's really going to support our autonomy if we have a sense of control over that. So competence is the first need. Autonomy is the second need. Uh, and relatedness or a sense of belonging, a connection to others, though we feel like they care for us, is the third need. And we all need this. We all have a sense. Uh, we have a need for a sense of belonging. We all have this. We, we don't want to be isolated. It's why solitary confinement is considered punishment, right? We don't like being by ourselves for too long. Go crazy. So how do we enhance our sense of uh, belonging with others or our sense of relatedness? Well, we develop relationships with other people. That can be a coach-athlete relationship, and that goes both ways. The coach needs to try and foster that in a positive, healthy way, and the athlete needs to try and positive uh, or foster that. But then also we need to develop that with uh, other people. So it can be our teammates. We can do team-building exercises, whatever. Uh, but then just practicing some basic effective communication skills like active listening, listening and trying to acknowledge and connect uh, with with others' experiences, having empathy. Like we try and connect with them and and they try and connect with us because we can't, we can't expect to have a sense of belonging if we don't also put forth some effort on, on our end as well. So those are the three basic needs. It's a big part of motivation is at least this one, this one theory, right? There's lots of different theories out there on motivation, but uh, this one is a really easy one to kind of package and explain, especially in podcast format. So we have competence, autonomy, and relatedness. And then that fourth one I'm talking about is kind of being separate. It's just having fun, experiencing stimulation, excitement, enjoying it. Now, 
all of these needs, there's, there's a direct relationship between whether these needs are met right, and how self-determined the motivation. So we could have an athlete who, well, they feel pretty competent and they feel pretty autonomous, but they feel like an outcast on the team maybe. Or oftentimes it's well, an athlete feels very connected with their teammates. They have that sense of relatedness. Uh, and they feel competent, but they don't feel like they have much say over what goes on in practice. Coach just kind of dictates everything. It's all pre-laid out. And so there's not this sense of autonomy. Or competence could be the one that's lacking. Um, but oftentimes, it might be more than one that's lacking. And this this is just a really nice way to kind of understand, well, I, I'm, re- I don't, I'm not feeling motivated. Well, why is it? What need is not being met? Is it our competence? Or is it autonomy or relatedness? We're just not having fun anymore. Like, what is it? And then how can we try and enhance that or nurture that and bring that in? And lastly, that to you coaches, again, the coach is the most important person in, in shaping an athlete's motivation. The most important person in shaping that. Again, you can't give them motivation. You're, gonna, you're not going to actually motivate them, but you can create the climate where they motivate themselves. And, and we do that by, by monitoring feedback, right? And, and we try and create this mastery task involving climate is the focus there where the focus is on learning. And we have to nurture basic needs. We have to know what those are, first of all. So to repeat them one more time, so you carry it home. So I, I use the acronym CAR, C-A-R, right? CAR. You take the car with you everywhere that you go because that's the car that every athlete needs is competence, autonomy, and relatedness. And then never forget the fun factor because the, the, the why, like why we got into sports in the first place, most of us, it's going to be that fun factor. And if we can reconnect with that, then we're going to be able to dig our motivation out of the depths when it has one of those those drops and we can't seem to, to, to get back on track and get out of the funk. So, Hopefully listening to this podcast, you listen to it because, well, you're pretty motivated to learn about motivation and uh, find ways that you can motivate your athletes or stay motivated yourself. So with that, if you're feeling high on motivation right now, then then I did my job. And uh, with that, I'll thank you for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Fair Advantage podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, check out some other episodes on my website fairadvantage.wixsite.com slash fair.